Welcome to the Leading is Serving podcast. My name's Jason. I'm Chris Wood. Yeah, I'm glad you guys tuned back in. Yes. Episode number four. Number four. Can you believe it already? I know. Like, this is exciting. It's, I am excited. Yeah, we've got a we've got a good le- guest guy. Let me get my words straight. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> If we're we, going to podcast, right? right? We are um, on a podcast. We've got a good guest lined up for today. I'm, I'm so, excited, excited about, about Kyle. Um, look forward to hearing from him here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah. what have you been up to, man? What you... Well, I do have to tell. I this bought is... a new toy not too long ago. Oh, confession time. Yeah, my wife is probably <laughs> going to shoot me. But um, no, I, I, I had a customer who decided to sell his um, pretty yellow Corvette. And so he gave me the opportunity and I... Took it, and so I've been driving around a little yellow Corvette, and it's it's been fun. It's is a, this it's is a, this one a this isn't like a year old? No, no, rear, no, no. It's it's older. It's um, okay. 1987. So oh, 87. Okay, yeah, it's been it's a it's that's quite a, a few years old. That's a good year though. But it's only got that's like 91,000 miles on it, so it's and it runs like a top. And that's fun. It's got power. And kids <laughs> like riding in it. They they are I'm like I got mixed reviews on that one. Okay. So okay. but um every time dad like punches it and starts to spin out, I get a he want either a glare or a punch or a Dad stop. Okay. Yeah. So, so when do I get to borrow it? Oh you can come over and get it whenever okay. you want. <laughs> I took it out good. last night. <laughs> nice. Looking forward to that. I like that. So so what do you so that's I mean, obviously that's pretty you know, fun and exciting. But what yeah. do, what have you been dealing with? Tell me what's going on in your world. Oh man, what's not going on? I mean, goodness, we're. Um, I mean, I am in the. I mean, as you know, I'm in the very initial stages of launching a, a little small business for myself and mm-hmm. a friend of mine that's that's going in. We're you know partnering together in a little LLC that's leaning into coaching and um, leadership development and things like that for individuals and teams and organizations and blah blah blah. But. Um, we're kind of at that point where I'm running out of things to distract myself with. Oh. That, um, I mean, the next big thing is I got to get that first paying gig, right? Right. Um, but, oh, no, 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 I got I to gotta develop the website. Mm. And, okay, I got it developed. Oh, wait, no, 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 we need one more page on the website. <laughs> You know, and, oh wait, wait, wait. We don't we don't have our bank account set up fully. Right. You know, we, I mean, we got something. We no, no. We need to get that set up. Oh, but what about our accounting software? We got to get that. I'm running out of things to distract myself from taking that first hard step of all right. I got to find a client. Time to yeah. Rubber and rubber so needs to meet the road, huh? I am. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that? feeling stuck. Maybe feeling uh, intimidated. Yeah, because all this stuff's been. I, the behind the scenes, the learning, right. the getting on board, you know, certified as a coach. Ah, yeah, no problem. I got that. Mm-hmm. I don't like putting myself out there. So. <laughs> but it's super exciting. I mean, like, it's just, I know, I, I know that you you got a great heart to teach and a great heart of, you know, yeah. trying to bring better health to some of these business owners out of there. I love living at point B from, yeah. you know, but the journey from A to B, I not so much. I like being at point B because then I'm dreaming about point C and D and, you know, so I'm really excited about six months from now. Right. I'm not excited about what I need to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's, that is, a, oh, that's interesting. And, um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, anyway, but <laughs> last week we talked, uh, about being a healthy leader. Okay. And we've talked about how healthy leaders multiply into others and, right. and such, and and what you know health kind of looks like. But um, one of the things that I've really struggled with is that in my personality, I tend to take on a lot of things. I value mm-hmm. excellence in this. I value excellence in that. And I'm not sure who might be able to do this one, so I'm just going to quietly scoop in and take this up. And I'm going to raise the bar. And I'm going to you know really you know, um, mostly creative projects along the way over the years and stuff like that. But it's been really easy for me to get overloaded, nearing burnout, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. And and I love learning new stuff. Okay. I really do. I mean, I, I just love learning. And, um, you know, like, you know, if we go into your industry of home renovations and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, I'd really love to you know, learn how to put in wood flooring in my home. So I rip out the carpet. I'm going to do about 1,500 square feet on a tri-level home. There you go. I'm a quarter of the way into the first room and like, yeah, I'm done. You're done. I know what I need to know. (laughs) I can see how the rest of the house is going to work. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, you know, 
you know, grunt my way through the rest of it or I call you. So, right. um, I'm here for you. Yeah, thank Just you. I appreciate you that. I appreciate that. So as we think about being a healthy leader, uh, there's a principle called the 70-30 principle. And what that means is that 70% of your time, you should really be diving into the things that are just natural to you. Okay. The things that you really don't, I mean, it's it's kind of what's called unconscious competence. Okay. Meaning you can just, you can do it in your sleep. You can do it with your eyes closed. It's just, mm-hmm. it's the stuff that you crave. That when you hear something on the radio or you see a magazine or you see a blog, you see a, a website, you, you hear something, you're like, oh, I, I just want to know more about that because that just is natural to me. Mm-hmm. And so if... That's the stuff that brings us energy. Mm. It it's life giving to us, even though it costs energy, even though it costs effort and time and resource. It's life giving, and so I I absolutely love playing the guitar. Okay. I'm not I'm not like some soloist that's gonna you know make an album or anything. You know no? I'm not I'm not gonna do anything like that. But just playing just energizes me. Really? I mean, my fingers might be bleeding when I'm done. Right? <laughs> you know, I might just be totally exhausted, but I I just have life because it just breathes life into me. And so that's kind of that unconscious competence of these are the things we love. It energizes, it gives us strength, it it's just natural. And if that comprises around 70% of of what we do throughout the week, that breathes health into us. Mm. That other 30% of what we do is going to be more of those learned strengths, like like learning to lay a wood floor. <laughs> um, you know, one time I, I mean, I love creative ventures, so I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll learn to build websites. I love this, mm-hmm. and I love the creative aspect. I love it, but you know, at some point, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm, I, it's a skill that I've learned. I enjoy it, but in the end, it doesn't it doesn't really breathe that life into me. Mm-hmm. There's and, a difference between those. Yeah, yeah, and so it's not not a hundred percent draining, but it. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily add, right. and so, um, so that's part of the thirty percent. And so, if there's, you know, as a small business owner, um, you know, if you and I have talked, you know, where does where does bookkeeping fall? Is that in your seventy percent or your thirty percent? Definitely the thirty percent. Definitely, <laughs> I'm with you. Right, I'm with you. And so, you know, if there's some things in our lives that literally just suck the life out of us, that would be one of them. <laughs> yeah, we need to make sure we're not spending seventy percent of our week on the things that suck our life out. Right. I mean, we can really only afford about thirty percent of that, and so mm-hmm. um, can we. Can we sandbox it into those moments, mm-hmm. or um, you know, can we um, offload that to another employee? Can we outsource that? Can we mm-hmm. find somebody to help with that? Um, you know, that's that's the area that we need to delegate and outsource and, and mm-hmm. really lean into other people on. And so, if we can kind of keep that balance of seventy thirty, and it's going to fluctuate day by day, week right. by week. You know, I mean, my uh, I have one day a week on Tuesdays that are just, they're exhausting. It's a long day, and it's that way every week. But Mondays are pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of fun on Wednesdays. So I, even just Monday and Wednesday kind of balance out that Tuesday for me. And so nice. my week is in balance, even though some of my days are not. Um, okay. And so we kind of have to watch that as leaders. Right. As as we're building our businesses, as we're... Especially as our expectations are, you know, in our as a... As a starting business owner, like expectations of you have to do all these things. Yeah. Cause it's, you're the only guy. Yeah. And so you're hundred percent is a hundred percent of everything. Right. Whether you like it or not. Right. Right. Okay. And so, yeah. And, there, and so you absolutely have to manage that in mm-hmm. your life. And, um, yeah, you might have a week that you're more at a 50, 50 balance, but it's time, and that's why vacations are important. Right, <laughs> that's the time we heal. You know, <laughs> it's starting to get cold here in Indiana. I'm ready to go south. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a warm climate. This snowbird thing, I, don't, I still don't quite get. I, I don't know. It's okay. I don't expect you to get it. I'll see you in yeah. Florida. <laughs> just, just leave your Corvette here with me no, you when can, you go. You can use it. I'm gone. <laughs> so tell us about our guest today, Chris. All right. Well, so we have Kyle, and he is. Um, an entrepreneur, and he has done a lot of great things. So I'm super excited about talking with him and all his. Um, he comes. He he'll tell you he's comes from the video podcasting arena of things, and um, and still I hope doing, we measure up, right? I'm like, uh, are we supposed to have a guy on here about podcasts? Because I don't know what we're doing right and doing wrong. But anyways. Um, and now he has just taken on a new franchise this year. And so I'm super excited to hear about that transition and what that looks like for him and um, 
what he's learned and gleaned from all that. That's cool. So I'm so let's uh, let's bring him on. All right, here we go. We're gonna go over to the interview with Kyle, and we'll be back afterwards. See you then. So, so welcome, well, welcome. Thank Thanks, you for guys. being here. I'm glad you guys asked me. This is awesome. Um, I've been enjoying the podcast so far, so you guys Great. are doing a good job. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Thanks. it. Appreciate it. So, so t- tell us ahead. a little bit about your background, kind of what, what got you to this point in life. Yeah. Well, um, like you guys, I'm a transplant to Indiana. Very <laughs> good. Um, uh, and some of the other guests you've had on, uh, uh, you know, came here when I was about 10. Um, and uh, so basically kind of grew up, you know, down here on the south side of Indianapolis. Um, I'm a ball stater uh, twice um, for a master's degree as well. Um, but uh, I got an internship at the end of college that sent me out to Los Angeles. Uh, so I lived and worked out in Los Angeles for a couple of years in the film, uh, film community. Um, wife got homesick, so we moved back and... I mean, you want to talk about God's provision, man. She, she's like, I think I want to move back. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. You find a job, we'll move. Two weeks. Two weeks. She had a job. I'm going, I guess we're moving back. That's <laughs> we're moving. Like, Dang, that was, that was quick because um, otherwise I might still be out there. But um, So that was in July of 2000. We've been back here ever since and um, been married since 98, got a couple of kids and a couple of businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur like you, Chris. And... Um, <laughs> Just trying to find my way in the world, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's all. Um, so what, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, a couple of businesses, family, what 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 just drives you? What, what kind of makes you tick in the in-between? You know, I was thinking about this a lot last night, um, and I had a real moment with myself where I was like, what, you know, what, what is it? <clears throat> um, it's the fear of failure. Honestly, hmm. that's what motivates me. I wouldn't say that I'm an overly driven person. Um, I actually get on my own case about being lazy sometimes. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I should be doing something right now or something more than this, right. uh, whatever that may be. But my fear of failure, I think, is what has motivated me. You know, a lot of people kind of go through life not really knowing what they want to do they go to college but they don't really know what they want to study and then they get done and they work in that industry maybe for a couple of years and then you know over 70 percent of college graduates work in a field that they didn't get their degree in exactly i mean that's to me that sounds like an investment problem right i i just knew what i wanted to do i went to school i did it i knew i was going to go to la and i did and and i knew i was going to work in the film business and i did and then my wife knew she was going to be a teacher and she's still teaching today and right you know i mean on one hand i guess we're lucky we're fortunate that we you know we got married we said hey, we're not having a kid for five years five years later we had our first kid i mean you know we planned it you know mm-hmm. and and it worked so everything that we've kind of set out to do as a family unit We've kind of made it happen, and I don't think that's an accident. I think if you set goals, you know, if you set goals, if you, you know, want to achieve certain things, um, there's no reason why you can't do it. But, you know, the hard part is setting those goals. It's finding that passion. It's finding what you want to do and then finding a way to execute it. And that's where I think a lot of people stumble um, is they don't know how to execute you know, their vision. So that's where the failure part comes in? That's where my failure part comes in because once I have decided, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. then I devise a plan and I follow through and I can't let myself fail. Okay. I, ref- you know, like this new business that I bought earlier in March of 2021, yeah, I bought a franchise and it has been one speed bump after the next i've taken one step forward and two or three steps back a step forward two steps i mean it's been challenging and hmm. it's been difficult it's been far more dif- it's been the hardest thing professionally that i've ever done yeah. and i i'm just getting started i mean we haven't even, we're not even right. really going yet yeah you're um, what seven months into it yeah and and, you know, trying to hire people right now during the, you know, the great resignation, as they're calling right. it. Yep, I've heard that multiple times. Has been awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just awful. And, you know, on one hand, it, it, it sounds like I'm making an excuse. But on the other hand, you, 
can't force people to want to work. Right. So let's back up because I want to hit some of these points that you're talking about with this new business. But um, explain to me, so you were in the workplace where you were working for somebody else, but then you went out on your own at one point too. So let's let's back up before we get – I want to touch on those things, but let's let's go back to – okay, so now you're working, you have kids, you come back to Indiana, things are moving forward. You decide to go out on your own mm-hmm. in the same industry that you expected to be part of. Yep. How did this transition become? And then fast forward me to we can get to that part where sure. you're at today. Yep, yep. Um, so when we moved back in 2000, um, I started you know freelancing at, for a couple different you know, like TV stations and production companies that I you know through contacts I had friends I had and so forth. And then I got hired. I, you know, I needed to find a full-time job. So then in the spring of 2001, I got hired full-time at a video production company downtown. And uh, and they're awesome. And the owner um, uh, is still – he's secretly one of my mentors. I mean, I love the guy. He's so smart. And uh, he's just such a great dude. And I've learned a lot from him. And, you know, even to this day, I'm, I'm their number one call when they are busy and they need some help. Okay. They call me first, and I go and help and travel for them and all that stuff. But I knew after working for him for about three years that this is great and I'm loving it and I love the guys I work with and, and whatever, but I want to do some other stuff. Okay. And so I kind of started freelancing on the side through guys that I met and so forth. And I started doing, uh, started working some Colts games for ESPN and covering Pacer games for Fox Sports and, and you know, not doing part of the broadcast of the game, but doing the pregame stuff with the on-field reporter, doing the post-game, you know, uh, press conferences and locker room interviews and stuff like that. Um, and I'm like, this is fun. I love sports. And this is like big time TV. And, right. um, you know, in addition to my regular job, this is cool. So... I kind of decided in 2000, in the fall of 2003, that I'm going to start my own business on the side just to keep my money separate from all those freelance gigs, and I'll start buying equipment and so on and so Because I knew eventually I was going to jump off. Okay, so you, I, you kind of had I an understanding. Kind of, I knew that this is great, but at some point I, I want to go, go do some of those other things mm-hmm. um, that I enjoyed more, to be frank. <clears throat> so um, that's what happened. And... So then in May of 2006, I was free and clear, and that was probably – that was one of the other harder decisions in my life was leaving a job with a great boss, cool coworkers, and right. that was tough for me. Yeah, because a lot of people <laughs> – I mean, I mean, a lot of business owners that I know have, have at some level have made the jump because of frustrations. So it's completely different to be happy with your job, happy with your boss, and like, okay, I still gotta go. Yeah, I, I was just, I was just tired of working on the <clears> same <throat> projects every single year at the same point in time, and blah blah blah. I just got, you know, kind of, I don't want to say complacent or bored with it. I just got kind of, like, I want to do other stuff. You know, yeah. I, I need to, you know, scratch a creative itch and do some other things. Um, so then went out on my own uh, in 2006, and it was great. And I started, you know, freelancing for. For IndyCar at the at the time, Champ Car, which was the competing series um, that they you know that IndyCar broke off from back in the day, so I was actually working for both racing series and doing a lot of stuff for ESPN and NFL Network and and uh, you know national news networks and and then doing some corporate video too for you know like Roche and Eli Lilly and you know and some other um, companies as well. So it, you know it was fun and and I enjoyed it and and off we went. And then I started buying equipment and I started buying a lot of equipment and to the point to where we started a rental company with a partner of mine, hmm. with a friend of oh, mine cool. in 2008 officially. But we really put a customer face on it as a rental shop in 2015. So. Um, but those were symbiotic businesses, you know, that mm-hmm. gave us the excuse to buy more gear because <laughs> then we would just put it in the rental company and then try to rent it, you know. So, right. Which is it, a good mix, right? It was a good mix. It was great. And, um, and, and that, was a good, that was a good thing for a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about obstacles to execute a vision that, um, you know, you have a vision, you have a dream, you got this great thing coming down the road, but – you just don't jump off the cliff. You don't take those first steps. You don't. Um, what do you think is critical to that? You mentioned a plan, but take take us a little further down that of what do you, what what advice would you give to somebody who is striking out, trying to make some of these first steps that you've made along the way? What three different times? Is that what I'm hearing? 
um, three different businesses along the way. Yeah. Um, whether that's a franchise over the last seven months or mm-hmm. freelancing back back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think it comes down to do you have a passion for what you're going to do? And may not necessarily be a passion for the work itself, but do you have a passion to create um, a vehicle for you to do something with? Uh-huh. So, for example, for my franchise that my wife and I bought this year, we are the whole purpose of purchasing the franchise is a vehicle for us to help pay for our our kids' college funds. Uh-huh. And to really sock money away for retirement because we're a little behind the eight ball on it based on our age. Yeah. Um, the whole reason why we're doing that is for those two reasons. It's not to so we can live in a bigger house or drive nicer cars or take right. better vacations. It's literally to save. Mm-hmm. And, and we also, you know, um, I've always tithed from my businesses um, as well. So this is just another – Another excuse, another reason for us to uh, give back uh, once this business gets, you know, up and running. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, that's important to us. We took, not the, not that Dave Ramsey needs any more <coughs> publication, but we took the Financial Peace <laughs> University class in 2006, same year that I decided to go freelance, you know, <laughs> full time. Mm-hmm. And that was not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And we needed it because we were a mess financially. We didn't know how much of a mess we were until we took that class, and we got serious about it, and it changed our life. That's awesome. That's cool. So, you know, from all of our businesses, from that point going forward, we've we've used some of that to, to give back to to whatever you know, our church or you know, Red Cross, or whatever you know, right. was going on at the time that we felt like is a good good cause. Absolutely. So, if you're, I hear a value coming out in terms of uh, we're launching this new franchise, which I hope to hear a little bit more about that here in a little bit, but. Um, you know, we're, we're launching this to kind of future-proof our family, <laughs> whether that's, um, you know, college education or retirement or things like that. What are some other values or principles that, that you and your wife that you guys really hold true to and um, you let that be part of your shaping and the, the decisions you make, not just as a family, but as, a, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, a um, couple things. Um, the first thing is, is a quote that I kind of live by that my dad uh, said to me when I was about 14 or 15 years old, and that is, um, he said the truth. I don't know how we even got on the topic, but I remember it. We were at, it was after school one day. It was sunny outside. Uh, he had lost his job recently. He was an executive at a trucking company. Um, this was probably 1989, I guess. And um, he told me the following. He said, the true measure of a man is his honesty and his integrity. He said, if you do everything in life every day, with honesty and, te- and integrity to the best of your ability, everything's going to work out. Well, and awesome. I repeated that um, at his eulogy in 2015. And my mom never knew that. Like, <laughs> she never knew that we had had that conversation or that was something that had stuck with me that whole time. And, and uh, so we had a nice little conversation about that after my dad's you know, funeral service. And I said, he, he said that to me one day, and it just stuck with me. And so... To answer your question, Jason, <laughs> in a roundabout way, you know, people take a lot of shortcuts sometimes, and sometimes you look at them and you're like, "Man, how is that working out for them? How mm-hmm. how are they so successful when we know they're taking or they're when we know there's shortcuts being taken, or maybe their business is a little sketchy or whatever?" But and you think, "How are they winning? Mm-hmm. Are they? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe material-wise, they might be." But in the it end, like in the end, they may not be winning. And so it's even though I've always been chasing money, I finally had a realization in like 2016, stop chasing it. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? I stopped being caught up with that. And I, it allowed me to relax and focus and enjoy my family more, enjoy my business more, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So the second part to answer your question is um, – Diversification. Um, uh, we we realized in a very real way that from a business standpoint, from an income standpoint, from a family financial standpoint, we needed diversification. 
because um, when COVID happened and the pandemic hit and all of my jobs canceled and went away and I had no work for a little over a month. And so therefore, when you're on 100% commission and you have no work. That's a problem. That can become a problem. Luckily, we've you know, we were okay financially. We could weather that storm. Right. Even though I freaked out and started applying for jobs at Kroger and Target and everything, <laughs> you know, I eventually rescinded some of those offers that I got because I'm like, somebody else needs that more than I do. But it forced us to to think, you know, we have to think long-term. We're thinking, you know, we're living in the now, even though we're trying to prepare for the future, but we weren't, I wasn't thinking, how can I idiot-proof or hmm. pandemic-proof, <laughs> if that's a thing, our life and so that's where we i hired a business coach we spent six months doing research on several different franchise opportunities to do in addition to what i've already been doing just for diversification because i am never going to put my family in that position again to where dad's sitting on the couch for a month with no work and there's nothing he could do about it hmm. well i want to talk a little bit about the execution it's interesting how you're with your whole life story, how, you know, you come up with a plan and you execute it. And Dave Ramsey was part of the financial growth and execution of moving forward with through being able to go out on your own. And then you go through this process. We go through a pandemic. How, tell me what that plan and execution looked like before we started having a conversation about whether we wanted to do a franchise and, and walk me through a little bit of that, just so I can catch up on what that looks like. For a guy that plans a lot, you do an excellent job of planning and executing. And I'm curious to know some of that, if you don't mind. So in 2015, I started noticing a what I refer to as a disturbing trend in the video and TV production business. Some people know exactly what I'm talking about if they're in this business. Some people, it didn't affect them. They, you know, it, it didn't bother them at all. But what we, what I started to see, and I know a lot of other guys in my line of work, we have talked about it numerous times, and that is people who were um, crewing us for jobs locally. So you'd have like a, an ad agency or a PR company or a production company from one of the coasts, for example, or from somewhere out of town that were coming to town to produce something, shoot something locally, and they needed to hire, um, you know, some crew locally because it's just cheaper to do that. Mm -hmm. um, some of it's through crewing companies, which work as kind of like an agency, and they take a little bit of a percentage of the job, and that's how they get paid and stuff like And you have to be vetted to be on those uh, those lists and so on and so forth. But what we started to notice, what a lot of us started to notice is that people were just price shopping. Hmm. And it became – so despite the fact that I maybe had 15 years of experience and mm -hmm. I, you know – quote unquote, knew what I was doing as a director of photography or, you know, camera operator or some of my friends, audio operators, lighting guys, whatever. These people were just price shopping. And I call it the Amazonification of the video production industry, because you'd have these young production line producers who were even some older folks, too, that were just getting pressure from their boss at their production company or their network or whatever hey, you've got to hire a clue and you've got to spend as little as possible. Mm -hmm. And some of those jobs early on, I would, I would tell them, be like, All right. I'm like, well, here's my rate and blah, blah, blah. And they'd say, well, that's not what we pay. And I'm like, mm, yeah. And if I had nothing going on, then I'd be like, all right, I'll do it. You know, and that's what they're counting on. They were counting on, right. you know, if you're not working, you're not eating, right? So right. they were counting on desperation for people to accept these jobs. Or those times where I'm like, you know what, I don't need the hassle. I've got some stuff. I've had a really good couple of months. I'm, you know, I don't need the, you know, whatever. And then they move on down the list and they find whoever Somebody. else will, who will. The younger folks in a lot of cases sometimes who don't know what they should be charging and, and they don't have the experience mm -hmm. to charge the same amount anyway. And it became a price war. And I started seeing this with renting equipment as well. People were like, well, I can find that camera on this website for half the price and I'm like yeah I know what website you're talking about but it doesn't come with the $4,000 worth of accessories that are on my camera oh, and wow. if you did add those you're going to be the same price as mine right. so it's change without change mine just comes with it you don't get the option because I shoot with it so I'm doing you a favor and a lot of times people who didn't understand that would just go rent it from somewhere else so we were right. losing revenue mm -hmm. because we weren't willing to because we hey I spent you know, $50,000 on this camera package. I got it set up ready to go right out of the bag. Right. You're ready to make TV. You don't have to right. add all these accoutrements that you would at this online rental 
place that mm-hmm. a lot of people forget about. And they're like, oh, right. I'm getting it so cheap, and it shows up, and you, you have half the things that you really need to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started seeing this, and it started becoming a trend. And so people were just shopping on price. They didn't care about experience. They didn't care about quality. They don't care. They don't, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. It's all about bottom dollar. And I decided I need to go back to school. I need to learn some new tricks to have some new tools that I can put in my toolbox that I can offer my clients or potentially even find new clients in a new way uh-huh. and learn some stuff. Um, so I decided to go back to graduate school, and I did that in 2018. Okay. And uh, through Ball State, and it was an online program. Um, and um, I really learned some cool stuff. I really learned some cool stuff. As part, it was a two-year program, so I graduated in 2020. Um, and so when the pandemic happened, it, it actually, if you want to say it actually came at a good time, it did because it helped me get my research project done and my paper because then I didn't have, I had time <laughs> right. to get, get my stuff done actually early, so it worked out. But that's what, um, because of the price war shopping in our industry, um, that's what forced me to go back to school and take another look through a different lens at what we were doing and how I was doing it. That's good. That's good. Having that flexibility, having that insight of going, you know, this isn't just something that I'm going to take defeat. I'm going to, uh, you know, just roll over or, you know, bend the way that I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to look for new avenues. I love, I love that. So we're talking about a question prior to hit and roll. Um, What's a insignificant moment in your life? One of those side door opportunities that you're just, um, you know, at the moment you're like, eh, not a big deal. And then years down the road, you're going, that was a monumental moment for me. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of mentioned one of them. Uh, I stopped chasing money. Mm-hmm. I finally got to a point where I'm like, it's not working out. I mean, I was doing fine. Don't get me wrong. Right. I was right. doing well. God has blessed us, you know, beyond you know measure. I was doing fine. but it, But I wasn't where I thought I would be in terms of my age and my experience and career and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was the first thing. The second thing was, um, I started real as, and maybe in conjunction with, I started realizing that there are certain clients that I just didn't want to have as clients anymore, which I know sounds like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you turn down work. money and work? Right. Because I got tired of dealing with certain people that were just difficult to deal with yep. or made my life stressful unnecessarily mm-hmm. and because they're my client I had to put up with it right I just got tired of putting up with it right I'm like life's too freaking short man mm-hmm. it's too short and so one of those little moments that you're talking about was this is you guys you guys are gonna like you've got daughters I know and uh, uh, Chris so I know you know this Jason do you have Three. You, okay. He's got them too. Okay. So in 2016, in June of 2016, my daughter's dance recital was coming up. And I was scheduled to go work a race that particular weekend of her dance recital. So I knew I couldn't couldn't make it. But I could go to the dress rehearsal. And I was able to go to the dress rehearsal. And I shot video of her in her outfits, right. both numbers, on the stage, you know, at the Murat. You know, I shot it in 4K, you know, like a good dad, and got great footage of it. <laughs> and uh, with my digital cinema camera, that cost an arm and a leg right. back in the day. And um, so I still got to experience it, but I wasn't there on Saturday for the mm-hmm. actual recital. And so I, you know, told my daughter, I'm like, listen, honey, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I can't be at the recital. I'll be at the rehearsal, but I can't be at the recital. And so she's so sweet. She's thinking she's letting me down easy, right? She says, Daddy, that's okay. I know that you work all the time on the weekends. So she's letting me down easy. But here's what I heard. I heard, that's okay, Dad. I don't expect you to be around. That's what Mm -hmm. I heard. Wow. And it was like a knife in my back, right? Yeah. That she, of course, was trying to do the opposite to make right, me right. feel like, that's right. okay. Don't it's worry okay. about it. Yeah. You've been to all of them except this one, you know, whatever. Right, right. right. And I was like, no, something's got to change. If mm. she doesn't even expect me to be at the recital because I work all the time on the weekends, that's a problem. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Later that year, or actually the, ne- the very next month, 
I was at a different race, at a different place, in a different track, in a different state, and it was Saturday afternoon. I won't forget it. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, roughly. I was taking a break. I was parked underneath the shade of a huge tree um, in my golf cart, and um, I was hot. I was sweaty. I was dirty because, <laughs> you know, it's a racetrack. There's debris everywhere, you know, whatever. Right, right. And even though it wasn't a dirt track, it's a road course. I was dehydrated. I had a headache. <laughs> I wasn't drinking enough water. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm running around killing myself on the weekends. My body was starting to pay the price. I was starting to get some back issues, some shoulder issues, you know, from shooting with the camera on my shoulder and all that. And I'm like, I'm running around killing myself for a sport that nobody's watching. Mm. So the content that I'm gathering is being watched by literally thousands of people. Not millions, thousands. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I decided right then and there at the end of this season in 2016, I'm done. I'm done. That compounded with all of the other personality issues I had. Like 90% of that company, fantastic. Loved the people. Got along great. Mm-hmm. Three people made it difficult. And I just, in that moment in July, I'm like, I'm done with this. Done. Mm-hmm. I need to spend more time at home. I need to get, and I said goodbye to that money. I was billing them a lot of money. Right. And I just, and I never replaced it with anything else. Huh. But my quality of life went through the roof. That's awesome. My stress level went way down and it was worth it. It was worth firing a client essentially. Uh-huh. We just parted ways. Nobody fired anybody. We just kind right, of parted right. ways just at the end of the it. year. Yep. And it was fine. And I kind of got into it with the guy that hired me anyway uh, in September of that year. So I knew at that point I'm making the right decision. Right. All right. So let's let's get to something now. March 2021. Mm-hmm. Is that where are we going from? This has all been good learning experience. And hey, let's let's go jump on a new business opportunity. Catch me up with where we're going down that road. So um, I'd hired a business coach in September of 2000, and we spent several months researching uh, business opportunities, uh, specifically franchises. I dated about five different franchises. I like to call it dating because, you know, you got to know people. You spent some time with them. You've got to. You have to, especially if you're sinking in a ton of money into a, a new venture. Right. You got to know what you're getting into and who you want to do business with. And I decided I needed something pandemic proof because, you know, at that point, we didn't know. We still kind of don't know right. when, when this mm-hmm. thing's going to end. Um, and I decided I, we've got to be in a business that it can't cancel on me. Mm. It can't be taken out from underneath me. It It's a service where people need it. So I was looking at like appliance repair. I was looking at, you know, water remediation companies. I was looking at a garage door repair and replacement company. I was looking at um, some internet marketing uh, company, which is, you know, always, you know, needed for small to medium sized businesses. And um, I just, I whittled it down and I ended up choosing uh, ProLift Garage Doors. And so I'm the only franchisee in the state of Indiana. When I signed up and bought the ProLift franchise, um, there was probably about 30 of us nationwide. And okay. we're already at, I think we're closing in on 60. So oh, wow. it's a brand that's growing a lot rapidly, right, cool. rapidly this year. And um, so we, we chose that one because I thought it seems it's a simple business model. Mm-hmm. Your spring's broken. Your door's not opening. Uh, the cable comes off. What's wrong with it? I don't know. I was at my friend's house yesterday fixing it because this cable had come off on one side. We put new springs on and got it right. Um, so it's a simple business, you know, replacing a garage door. You don't have to go into the house like you do with some of these other service companies, the water right. remediation thing. You're basically on call 24-7. Yes. And right. I, d- I decided, even though that's a very lucrative business, very. you've got to deal with insurance companies, which can be difficult. Yep. And you're on call 365. And I just didn't want that. I thought this, the garage door business is an industry that there's a lot of competition, but there's a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And everybody uh, and, it's a, and there's a lot of garage doors. Um, <laughs> every new house that's being built, they've got garages with them. Yep. You know, probably since 1960. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right? Every house being built's got a garage. 
So uh, we decided that that would be a good um, investment um, for the future. And mm -hmm. so we've had a rocky start, <laughs> having trouble hiring a technician. But once we, uh, I hired a technician, it didn't work out. He was not great. And um, it's, it's a good thing that it ended. Um, and so now I'm taking my time and I'm, even though I'm having trouble finding people in general, I'm also not going to make the same mistake I did before, which is hurry up and hire a guy just to get going. Right. I'm not going to do that again. Yep. I'm going to wait sure I hire the right guy so we can have a partnership going forward and we can take care of the customer because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And I, it's every every step, even if it's the wrong step, right, is a learning step. <laughs> right? So. You know what? This is what happens when you don't trust your gut. When you don't trust your gut and you go like, yeah, it's going to be fine, it's never going to be fine. Mm. It sneaks up on you, and, it, and it, you'll pay for it. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. I've talked to some other people about that, and it's that whole trusting your gut thing in the midst of business is definitely a real thing, but you kind of have to grow it. Like you kind of like yeah. the initial starting out is not always like, I got a funny feeling about this. Well, it could be just indigestion, but – yeah, there's days where it's like, hey, you probably ought to not do this. And yeah, you, you you know, and you know, I think you have to make those mistakes mm -hmm. in order for you to grow and for you to learn. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't make them a second time. Right. I mean, experience is is, is experience, yes. and you can't yeah. get it any other way. It's hard to substitute that, isn't it? Right. And yep. sometimes <laughs> things work out great, and you're like, awesome. Right. And sometimes they don't work out great, and you're like, well, crud, that was. That was a tough pill to swallow. Right. So if you went back a few years, what would you what would you tell the twenty something you about getting to today? What 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 advice would you give? Well, first of all, my twenty one year old self or twenty year old self would be too stupid to listen, because um, <laughs> he was um, arrogant and confident and um, was bad at taking advice. <laughs> But if he would listen, if my 20-year-old <laughs> self would actually listen to middle-aged me, um, I would tell him, your dad's right hmm. about pretty much everything. Yeah. So shut up and just listen to him and don't be an idiot. Hmm. <laughs> right. If there's any 21-year-old budding entrepreneurs listening right now, call your dad. Call your dad. Call your dad right now. As, yeah. And listen to him. <laughs> I just remember, you know, my freshman year at Ball State, I was 19, and I was at school for like two or three months, mm -hmm. first semester, and I called my parents one evening, and uh, my dad answered the phone. I go, hey. He's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, not much. I said, hey, listen, I just wanted to call you and tell you that um, I'm sorry. And he goes, for what? I go, just, you know, everything, being a teenager. And, like, I learned this, like, three months into school. Right. And he goes, all right, I'll get your mother. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And as he's walking, I could hear him walking across the, you know, the kitchen or whatever. He goes, honestly, I thought this call would come in a couple of years, so this is pretty early. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had a schedule. So, like, I kind of knew that, you know, my parents weren't as dumb as I thought they were. Right. But I still didn't quite figure it out for a couple more years. But, you That's know. That's awesome. Yeah. What? Dad's right. Math is everywhere. Pay attention. <laughs> Don't be a dummy. <laughs> you know, just those things. I love that. I love the contrast between the 21-year-old, I wouldn't listen to advice, but then yet through this entire interview, you've talked about advice you got from your dad. You've talked about the mentoring you got from one of your previous bosses. Yeah. You talked about hiring a business coach. Mm -hmm. um, man, that just the, the value of learning from others and trusting others and, and leaning on that collective wisdom around us is, is huge. And I love, I love seeing that in your life. Thank That's you. really cool. You're never sure. too old to learn. Right. The day that you think you don't have anything to learn is a day you've either given up or you're, just, you're just stubborn. I think it's the day you start getting old. <laughs> or <laughs> is when you don't have anything to learn. Maybe. So. Maybe yeah. it is. But, you know, I, I guess I've been lucky in the sense that I've always been able to um, – I don't get offended easily, which a lot of people, you know, you, you can't say that. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people have, have – they're thin-skinned, they're thin, they're thin -skinned, mm -hmm. you know, whether they want to admit it or not. Right, especially now. Um, but, you know, 
Like, if there's a joke that's at my expense, I want to hear it because if it's funny, I want to laugh at it. You know, like, <laughs> you know. Um, you but, joke, but, but the point is, is that there's always something you can learn from every day. There's something that you can learn from uh, somebody, um, uh, and and I think you owe it to yourself to to know when to heed that. Mm-hmm. And as I get older. Man, I just look for those nuggets every day. You know, when you're younger, you're not looking for them, and mm-hmm. sometimes they they stick to you unintentionally, and it's a good Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, right. And yeah. but as you get older, man, you've got to be looking for those moments, those teachable moments, those learnable lessons that you can apply either to your life or maybe to your kid's life or right. or, or mm-hmm. a friend's life. Um, and that's what it's all about, man. It's about yeah. constantly learning, having a thirst for knowledge, and um, and humbling yourself to where. It, you know that there's always something that you can learn. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, I got one well, last question. It's for all the dads out there. Um, what do, uh, uh, what advice do you give to the dad who's trying to capture the moments of his kiddos who do not have 4K cinematic <laughs> cameras? <laughs> hey, iPhones are pretty cool. Yeah. Galaxy's got some great, you know, Samsung's got some great cameras, man, on some of the, I mean, I, you know, listen, you, you don't have to, have a tripod and a and a and a three chip camera or a CMOS can, censored camera. You know, I would say um, you can never take enough photos of your kids, man. I don't care how old they are. As you as you guys know, as dads, and I'm sure there's other folks that are listening that are also parents. Man, it goes by so fast. It does. That you know, anytime, and you know, like our kids are at the age where like stop taking pictures of me, whatever. And we're like, we're like, listen, someday you're gonna thank us. When we can go back and show you that picture of when you were 12 at the, you know, getting that academic award at school or right. or yeah. getting your varsity letter, uh, you know, for volleyball at school finally. And, you know, stop being difficult. Just let us take the photo. <laughs> so just take <laughs> just the photo, man. Just whip out the phone and, and just get a few minutes of video if you have to, you know. Embarrass just, your kids if you got to. Right. I mean, that's that's more of the joy. <laughs> Of it, that's, that's today's that's, joy. That's separate from capturing the moment, right? <laughs> Looking back on the moments, the joy for tomorrow, yeah. But the embarrassment's the joy for today. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, thank you well, so yes. much. Thanks, Kyle, for showing up and and blessing us with your time. Thank you guys for having that me. That's awesome. Appreciate, appreciate it. it so much. Yeah. Wow, that Jason, I. I knew that it was going to be a great conversation, but the information that he brought to the table with everything that he's done was just a great. Yeah, yeah thanks for knowledge. thanks for connecting Kyle to yeah. to us. I, that was it's my first chance getting to meet him, and I, I kind of enjoyed the uh, the the creative side because uh, yeah. that's kind of the world that I've been in for a long time. Um, I mean, I've never shot for the Colts or the Pacers or right. Indy or California, it's you on, know. It's on the to-do list. But that was cool, you know, yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. a world that I that I understand a little better. So that yeah. was kind of fun. So what, what, stuck out, uh, what stuck out to you? You know, I love the fact that he was talking about the execution and, you know, just uh, having a plan and coming up with things and trying to execute them and so that he didn't fail. But, you know, we talk about failure sometimes and then it's in the positive light and sometimes it's in the negative light. A lot of times it's in the negative light. But he's a man with a plan and he's driven. He's I'm super excited for him. Yeah, and I liked how, uh, yeah, there's a fear of failure, but I think he was referencing more that big catastrophic failure. Yes. Because he talked about a lot of small failures along the way, things Mm -hmm. that stretched him, grew him, taught him life lessons, you know, that redirected his his thoughts about life. I mean, he embraces those types of failures. Right. If you want to call it that. And yeah. So that's, um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I liked, um, I liked the aspect about, well, I mean, here we are, this is our, you know, fourth episode, our fourth interview and a, yet another person going, I, I just stopped chasing the dollar. The dollar. Oh, that was not the, that was not the thing that was driving. It was driving my life. It's the wrong thing. And that's I loved that. That's good. I love that again. Just going. I want to be there for my daughter on Saturday. Right. I want to. I want to be available. I want to not shoot the dress rehearsal. I want to shoot the real thing. Right. You know, and I want to future-proof my family when it comes mm-hmm. to education and retirement. You know, yeah, that's important. But 
I have different values that I want to drive me. And that, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Yes, that is, that is cool. But it didn't, it didn't. And the whole comment about him, you know, everybody, well, I don't know about everybody, but as a dad, you kind of hope you have that moment with your dad or as a dad that Absolutely. is critical for their life to stay on some sort of track of being being successful or staying mm-hmm. true to the values as we grow up and become who we are. So between those two, yeah, like in, I don't know, it was just, there's a lot of good nuggets in there. That was good stuff. And he was talking about nuggets each day. We got a couple of them today. Right. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. We'll thank Kyle again. Yeah. And I, you know, being a being on the creative side of things in life for myself, um, I love hearing uh, a creative who, you know, is is willing to take those hard steps because uh, a lot of times it's easy just to sit in idea land mm-hmm. and, you know, just dream and vision and, and never actually execute. And here's a guy who's been walking that for years. Yeah. And I, I loved, loved hearing that of, um, you know, I'm just not, I'm not satisfied with the dream. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to see it happen. And so mm. that's cool. A lot of bravery in life to, right. To, to live what the way we live. Man, I, I mean, goodness, this is, I tell you what, this is this is going to be a lot of hard work. I hope that um, all our guests are this strong. We've had a lot of great guests here, and I'm. This, I know. Have to keep no pressure on no the future pressure, days, is right? There? I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah. well. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Leading and Serving podcast again. Um, if you would, do us a favor. Um, I mean, you can reach out to us. Uh, information's yep. in the show notes if you'd like sure to is. send us a question, send us a comment. If there's something you want to learn about in industry, we'll try and find a guest for right. that, right? Um, do, but, us, do us another favor. Make sure you're, uh, if you wouldn't mind, share it with your friends. Share, share yeah. the podcast with your friends because I've been sharing it with my friends, and I've, yeah. um, I hope that they're sharing it with theirs as well. So. Yeah, like it, subscribe to it. Yeah. Share it. All awesome. That good all. stuff. We love it. Yeah. So appreciate you guys for tuning in. See you next week. Thanks. Bye.